What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smalley Talk Podcast. This is your host, Josh Shrinko. And uh, it's been a, been a minute since I've seen Chris in person and virtually. Um, he's a world traveler. Uh, <laughs> famous, distinguished Indianapolis attorney. Um, Christian, All true. Dude, what's going on? Hey. <laughs> You've been, uh, uh nothing, you've been, man. you've been on the, is it the Caribbean Sea, Caribbean Ocean? Is that where you're it at? It is, yeah. Yeah? Yep. We yeah. just, we got back, uh, well, it's been a while now. It's been like two weeks since we got back, so. Probably a little, was... little bit of a, uh, <laughs> shot coming back to the weather that we had. Yeah. We actually, we, when we got back, it was like starting to get really cold. So I got all of it. I got all that nastiness. Yeah, dude, that was so wild. It was, it was fun seeing me in like a like a tropical like climate is quite hilarious. I just mostly <laughs> wear like long sleeve sun shirts and <laughs> I stay pretty like hidden. I wore pants every day. Dude. I think I was the only person I saw wearing pants when we were traipsing upon Mayan ruins. <laughs> Yeah, that's a. Uh, oh, you guys did some inland stuff then, some jungle, jungle stuff. Uh, yeah, we did like. So I I went to Belize. We I did get to do some fishing, which was fun. We did uh, uh, a couple days. We went one day. We did like a snorkeling. Um, it was like a snorkeling slash like we went down and got conch. Uh, and lobster, some cock and fritters. We, you you like that? Yeah. <laughs> we made conch ceviche, and uh, uh, that's good stuff. So then we, yeah. So we found the conch. We we like uh, gaffed some lobsters, and then we went out and snorkeled out like on the reef or whatever. And then we went fishing, and uh, my buddy Michael caught a barracuda, and we caught some red snapper, and nice all kinds of stuff like that. Did you was, eat any crazy. of those? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we ate some. Of, we ate some of those, but they were. It was like crazy, dude. We were fishing with like cut bait, like cut, like uh, conch or whatever. Huh? Every single cast, we'd get catch fish. Every single cast, it was crazy. So, were you on a and, boat uh, there? Or were you just out like on? The yeah, boat? we were on a boat. Oh, okay. I hooked into an, a nurse shark, which was kind of cool. Do you did um, you do any fly fishing out there? Yeah, I did. I went on a. We went on a half day fly fishing trip. I caught a couple bonefish, but um, nice. Is it your first bonefish though? First bonefish, yeah. It was, it was a trying day. Let's just put it that way. Windy. It was, uh, it was very windy, and uh, I was pretty much just like dropping the cast right on top of them all day long. So Bud. a lot of scatters, <laughs> a lot of. Well, that, that makes me like, feel a little bit better because that's exactly like, what yep, I did. You put that one right on top of them. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then like two, like two cast leaders, like that one was also directly upon the top of that bonefish. So were you having trouble seeing the fish out there? Yeah, it was, even though the water is like crystal clear. Dude, same it, thing, dude. I remember like the guide was like, oh yeah, there it is. And I was like getting frustrated. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't see shit. Like I, I like I saw 
it was weird. Like the day that we went, I picked a day that was, I, I picked a day that we were going to go fishing based on the weather. So I like looked at the weather and was like, okay, we're going to go fishing this day because the weather's supposed to be perfect and like no clouds and that kind of thing. It was cloudy the entire time that we were out on the boat and windy. So yeah, we had trouble seeing like when we first got out, like the very first, you know, we got out on the water at like nine o'clock or so. And it was like crystal clear. You could see everything. There wasn't like a, a wave on the water. And then gradually the wind just picked up to make it like, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't really see much. Hmm. So, but I, I did catch, I think I hooked into five bonefish and I, I landed two and the two that I landed were pretty small. So, but it counts. Those things they, fight, they count. They, those things fight really hard, even the small yeah. ones. So dude, you can tell when you hook them, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. And also the guide was from Belize and the, the rod that I was using, like I brought my rod and I brought the wrong kind of line, which didn't work at all. I, I like tried it and I was spooking fish. Like when I was putting the cast where it was supposed to be, it was like impossible. So, um, so I used his and it was literally like an $8. I mean, the thing had to have been $8. It was really? like a Berkeley. It was a Berkeley fly rod with no, like no fighting butt on it. It was like, I don't even, it was like a four weight or something. I don't oh even my know what God. it was. I've never seen anything like it. It was an antique. So, but so I did, there was one, at one point there was like a big school of like probably like five or six pretty decent sized bonefish. And I could, they were tailing up like in the real shallows. And I like, but we were at like 60, 70 feet and I was trying to make the cast and I just couldn't do it. Like, and he was, he was like, Oh yeah, you can't you can't make that cast, huh? I was like, <laughs> like if you didn't have a piece of shit rod, I didn't say that, but dude. Honestly, like, though, yeah, that yeah. It, I was kind of disappointed when I went too because they kind of were like, "Yeah, you need to use your own rod," and I was like, "I'm like, eh, I mean, like typically guides around here, like if you don't have the right stuff, like they'll have like sufficient equipment for you." Yeah, he showed up with no flies and with like a twelve dollar. Berkeley like four weight fly rod. That's insane, that was, dude. He had to borrow flies from one of the guys that was staying at the same Airbnb as me. And like, yeah, that's that's insane. I mean, you know, they're doing their thing. He put he put us on fish. I mean, we were on fish like all day. It's just Yeah, you know. it's like, well, if you would have known that though, you probably would have prepared a little more. It's like, "Oh yeah, hey, I need to get this specific line and bring this rod and <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I wish I would have just brought my own I, I wish I would have brought my brought my G Loomis. Did you go into brought... that uh, fly shop on San Pedro or whatever? The... No, we didn't. Um, we did. So we did that. We did the one day that I just described the snorkeling and fishing, and then we did like we went to Key Cocker that day, and we did like mm-hmm. you know a bunch of we had like a uh, all the lobster and fish and and conch that we that we caught throughout the day. He like made into like a dinner. Did you go to that Willie's on place? The beach. I couldn't find it. We were on, we went on Key Cocker and I couldn't find it, but it's, um, it's very tucked away. It's hard. To yeah. Find. Couldn't, couldn't find it. But, um, so anyway, so then one day we did that one day we did, uh, the Mayan ruins. We like went uh, like to the mainland or whatever and did like a tour of like one of the pyramids and all that kind of stuff. And then we did a half day of fishing and I think that was about it. We did. Oh, we did a food tour one day. It was fun, man. We had a great time. 
Hey, I just, uh, you know, that climate does not agree with me at all. It's like I have to hide from the yeah, sun. Otherwise, sunny. I'm going to be miserable. Sunny and windy, mm-hmm. dude. That's like, that's all it is there, dude. Sunny and freaking windy. So, yeah. yeah. I went to Leonardo DiCaprio's island. So. Nice. I took a shit on it. <laughs> He's like, you know, you want to know who bought this island? I was like, oh, sure. He goes, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Yeah, that's. I remember the fishing guide was talking about that. He told us all kinds of stories. Um, well, yeah. that's cool, man. I'm glad you had fun. Yeah, it's a good time of year to go because it's not worth a shit here. You know, we've like toyed around going fishing like three or four times and just haven't been able to get out because of work frozen out and yeah we were frozen we were fr- it froze the over river, it got so cold here the rivers all froze which is rare i haven't seen i'm assuming it's all thawed out now yeah it, um, oh yeah it's it's wide open now yeah but i i was i could have gone today i just wasn't thinking about i was gonna go yesterday i know you talked about it and it just like a bunch of bullcrap happened wasn't able to go so yeah, yeah. It, but I will say I did see some reports of a couple people going out. It wasn't great. So Yeah, I think it's been I think it was pretty tough, but you know, it's uh it was 70 degrees. So we got something. We got some rain. Um Yeah, finally, god. Yeah. I mean yeah. I I think you and I are probably some of the only people that like in the last couple of weeks when it was raining like that just like whew, thank god. Goodness, we need <laughs> We needed it. I know. Yeah, it's it was nice and it's nice and sloppy out there. I think we actually have a little bit of flow in the rivers. So yeah, if we get, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I I was thinking about that. I don't, I don't get too worked up over it because usually the rain starts coming, you know, more in March. Um, but yeah, it just was so dry that at the end of this fall and the beginning of winter, it was like somewhat concerning. It's like, dude, I mean, that's what foiled our winter stuff. Um you know, our winter stuff that we usually do on the tippy, you know, just, we just didn't have any flow. Um, yeah, no water. I mean, we, I went once and we went together once it just is tough. I mean, it's flowing. Like I was looking at today, it's about a thousand, so it would be better now, but I still don't think it'd be great. I still, yeah, normally it's, you know, normally it's about twice this, but it's, it's at least something we've got, at least got some water in the system because it's, yeah for a while dude it was yeah i was starting to get really concerned i mean yep for sure very very low flows well we better get on with this we're doing part two of our last podcast 10 ways to become a better smallmouth angler um and we have a an interview on a separate episode that will drop probably later this week early next week with a pretty cool guest and he's scheduled to be on in about 20 minutes so we're gonna get on with this here and do more bullshitting in the next pod t- podcast. Um, so we'll save some bullshit. Um, so our first podcast, I felt like I got a good, good feedback on part one. Uh, we got a lot of people that were sort of like, Hey, you know, I enjoy this content, that sort of thing. Um, which I think I like doing some more informative type stuff, like thought out type of stuff. Um, it may be completely leading you in the wrong direction most likely is leading you in the wrong direction, but um, you can at least think that you're educating yourself. So um, right. put us under the DIY section. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. So our first five topics or first five ways, I'll kind of recap those um, is more time on the water, 
um, master techniques, switch lures less, um, fish new places, new water, um, stop fishing and look around, observe. And then the last one that Chris was not too fond of is compete fish tournaments. Um, I went back and listened to that and I could, I could feel a little bit of, he, d- he didn't like that one. So, but like stick I, to it, like Don't I said, like I, I will, I will say this. If you fish tournaments, you would, you would see what I mean. If you, you have fish tournaments, but if you would fish them more, I feel like you would see what I'm talking about a little bit. Um, but these are in no order. This isn't like number one, number two, number, you know, this just like whatever random order we're doing. So don't take as like the first one was the most important. These are just whatever. Um, so the number six, um, not the six most important, but number six on our list. Uh, and this is one of the few that I came up with on this bottom six is, um, keep a log. Um, and I'm guilty of not keeping a log. I've I've done this on and off the last probably four years. Um, but what I mean by that is basically just uh, when you get done fishing during a day, um, document what happened, document the fish you caught. Doc- Dear diary. Yeah. Today the fish were. <laughs> yeah. You know, just exactly. Get harness your eighth grade girl, and. You know, get in, get into it. Get a book with a lock on it because you want to lock with a little heart, a heart shaped lock on it. Exactly. Um, And when your wife starts to read it, be like, this is my diary. (laughs) Don't you dare. Uh, Stay out of it. For real though. Like, so the format in which I have done it in the past that's worked for me is I'm a big Google docs guy and I use a Google spreadsheet. And all I do is, um, I, I make a, uh, a row for each day I fish and I organize, you know, have a a column for date. Um, I have a column for weather, water temperature. Um, I have a column for, uh, I can't remember all the different columns, but basically details. And then I fill out a row for each day I fish. And the very last column is just notes. And that's where the majority of the information comes from. So, and I, I document how many fish I caught, how many, big fish over 17 that I caught. And then the notes I basically go into, um, I go into detail about like what happened during the day. Like, you know, what time we started fishing, what, what pattern kicked in when, what we observed the fish were doing. If I saw fish, if I didn't see fish, whatever. And then I will have like a column with like the best presentation of the day. Like, you know, whatever I caught them on the best. And what you can do if you're disciplined enough to do that, it's basically just, you know, for, for kind of numbers analytics type of thinkers, you can go back in any, like if you compile five to 10 years worth of this stuff, that it starts becoming real valuable because then you can go back like, Oh, I'm going fishing on all in August 1st on this river. And then you go and you can look back and say, Oh yeah, well I fished on this river this same week, you know, 2018 and the, the flow was this or whatever. And you can sort of like give yourself a good starting point. Um, and I think like, I don't have that much data to go back and find those similar conditions as much as I would like, but hopefully by the time I'm, 
you know, 45 or so, I'll have several years of um, data that I can kind of comb through and it'll be more extensive. But I think that's a, I, I think it's just a really good thing for people. Uh, By the time I'm 45, I'm hoping I just have some hair to comb through. All right. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I think that's a good idea. I would like to know if on the many occasions that we found dildos, if you just put like a notation <laughs> about found dildo at this location. Uh, well, green. It was green. You know, <laughs> the, uh, the captain's log, one dildo found, I'm, 20 fish caught. <laughs> well, you know, what's crazy, dude. Like going back, I'm going to, I'm going to look at something real quick here because I, I think it'll be like interesting, um, for you to, see but like i have like was looking back at some of the days when we went fishing like that's another thing you can look at like year to year um like you know oh well like this year i caught you can keep track of actually like how many fish you catch during an entire year and then you can look at patterns i I can't find the log that i have saved but my point is like dude there's like you can see rivers, a river's change in the class of fish. If you go back and look at the, that data, like, and you can see, like, if you chart it, you can see like how the like numbers of fish go up, but the size weren't as good. And then the numbers of fish go down and the bigger ones are more prevalent. It's like, it's really interesting to see, because I think you look at that somewhat anecdotally, like we're like, Oh yeah, well this river is like changed over the years. But, you don't have like hard numbers to go by. It'd be interesting right. to go through and chart that and be like, it'd probably be really valuable for like sign, you know, like biologists to look at. It's see. basically, we are basically scientists. <laughs> we are. I will say that. A hundred percent, dude. <laughs> I mean, scientists, scientists are going to stumble upon it one day and be like, this is a, a primitive, <laughs> primitive people, dude. These are the most primitive beings that we've ever stumbled upon. <laughs> Oh, they care so much about fish. <laughs> what, yeah. a, what a simple existence. We're, we're definitely nerds. If you keep a fishing <laughs> log, dude, you're a freaking nerd. You're yes. you're my kind of nerd, but you're definitely a nerd. <laughs> you're de- it's definitely not a great way to get pussy. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and if you try to read to your wife or girlfriend about it, they won't care at all. Like, babe, no, babe, listen, like, it's crazy that in June of last year, I went to this river and I caught 38 fish. (laughs) And guess what they were on? Bottom. They were on bottom. This year, they were middle of the water column. Like, what? It's the same water temperature. It's the same, it's the same water temperature. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah. I don't, don't think that's. It's, yeah, if you don't if, try it, keep if, it to yourself. If you're single and you're trying to mingle, keep those fishing <laughs> logs to yourself. <laughs> yeah, keep it to yourself. It is. It's not first date material. It's not 13 years of marriage material. <laughs> Just keep it to yourself. And when you die, when your wife's sorting through your things, it will be one more thing that she can be like, I don't miss him that much. You <laughs> Dude, know, you know what, a fishing log. You know, when I'm typing that up and puppets in my yeah. mind, I'm going like, dude, if anybody ever finds this, like, 
it's going to be like, holy shit, this is a Bible. <laughs> but in, re- in reality, <laughs> they're going to be like, what the hell, dude? This is delete. Dude, was <laughs> delete. <dork. laughs> delete immediately. No, how you know, like uh, guys that are really you're you're, one, you're thinking this is part of your like children's inheritance. Yes. Like, <laughs> son and I bequeath upon you my my thirty years of fishing diaries. It's gonna be like this is raw data. There's not a single thing about this that's enjoyable. All right, we got to move on. Uh, so keep a log folks keep a log. <laughs> what an endorsement keep what a an log, endorsement baby for real it though it's, it's it's a powerful tool if you're disciplined enough to do it <laughs> if you want to become a powerful tool keep a fishing log That's right. because that is one way to become <laughs> a powerful tool okay all right number seven fish with experienced people yeah i like or more experienced than you right yeah, I mean, I think everybody has different experiences, for sure. Even people that have fished the same amount of time as you. But new people, fish with new people. How about that? New people, experienced people, people that are passionate about the sport. Because, you know, there's something to learn from everybody. I know Josh and I have talked about this a great deal on the podcast, but, you know, we learn from each other every time we go out. We learn from guys like Derek and... Guys like McCrelly and Alex Deneau and, you know, all these different people that you go fishing with through the course of a year, you know, you or you know, Andrew and, you know, all, all these people that we fish with regularly, you know, you learn something by watching them do what they do, people that are good at it. And, you know, you, it's something that you can apply to your own game, a presentation that they use, a type of the way they rig something up, the way that they search a, d- a specific type of water, that kind of thing. It's yeah. important. It's it's one way to elevate your own game. And it's also good to, you know, they might, you might learn a new spot or you might, you know, it, it, there's a lot of good things about it. Yeah. I think a lot of guys, um, they do like to fish by themselves, which I enjoy that uh, at times. Um, but, I do think you're, you're gaining way more, especially if you do it, um, like not even long-term becoming a better angler, but just becoming more effective in that specific trip Two people fishing. If you do it the right way is way more effective. If you're, yeah, reach out, reach out to somebody on social media and just say, Hey, love to fish with you. That's an easy thing to do. And people do that all the time. Very rarely do people actually be like, how about like next Thursday? Do you want to fish together? You know, actually pin people down. All right, let's move on. Number number eight. Uh, Become proficient in the off the water research and work. So that involves things like go to the USGS portal, get familiar with the the CFS of your specific waterways, get familiar with Google Street View. And you know our nav your navigable waterways laws. Fish get surveys. familiar with fish surveys. You you're uh, really getting... good at that. You can sometimes I think those are there's not like a national database for those type of that type of information. So you got to kind of do some scouting, uh, reconnaissance type work. Um, but if you can find a, a fish survey that is somewhat recent right you can huge you can really pin down 
like you you can more than more than find productive water you can eliminate water so you can say that's a big thing like oh this look at the satellite views yeah look at the dams research where the dams are research where the put-ins are google earth is a big um so separate from google maps google earth has a lot it's a lot more rich in features um than google maps is as far as like you can look at satellite view from certain time frames and stuff so you can right. actually find when the water was low and like look at the water on that particular time frame um and like you can see more of the channel and you know where the swings are and stuff um but yeah that map study is a big deal tournament anglers uh like hardcore tournament anglers use map study a lot fish uh, fish studies fish you know, it's more than just, I guess what we're trying to say is it's more than just showing up to your river and chucking a whopper plopper and just hoping that you get lucky or going to the same spot that you know is good. You know, research, uh, think about where you're going to go and how you're going to go there and why you're going there and, you know, trying to learn as much as you can while, cause you know, the percentage of our time that we actually get to fish is very low. So if you just spend another 1% of your time researching where it is that you're going to fish, it certainly will pay off. And it'll, you know, developing those, uh, those skills to research and look into places is going to serve you for, you know, other things. Like say if you want to plan an out-of-state trip or, you know, whatever, those are all valuable skills to have. And you can apply those skills to your local waterways and, and really improve your outcomes so anything else on that josh yeah the only thing i uh will say is um like networking is another big thing that's like we've we've made sort of a science of planning our like big trips and i enjoy that part of it almost as much as going as weird as that sounds like we've had some pretty fun times like meeting at coffee shops and talking about I mean, the infamous coin flip of 2019 or 2018, <laughs> I think, what it was. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> flipped, the, flipped the coin because we were... Another great way to get your wife to just be like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Here, my wife hearing us in my living room just or in my kitchen just being like, uh, should we do that again since it touched something <laughs> and it was interference with a coin flip? Yeah, that, oh, yeah. that was funny. That was like... Uh, you know, crazy, it, you know, anyways, the flip of the coin, dude, flip of the coin is, but it's fun planning those. But what I was saying is networking and getting to know people. Social media is a good way to do that. It that live in different parts of the country that like to do the same thing that you do. So if you, you know, follow a bunch of smallmouth guys, find out where they fish. And dude, a lot of guys like are very open, especially if you're come from out of state to go to their area, like they'll, especially if they're not guides. Yeah, if they're just if they're just recreational yeah. fishermen. I wouldn't recommend reaching out to guides to. We definitely to do that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't recommend it. It's not. Yeah, they don't like it. Precarious. And, uh, we and also you're likely to get bad information. But whereas, you know, yep. if you reach out to people who do it recreationally, they don't really care. You know, right? If you're just coming up there one time, one weekend in the year. You know, they don't really care. 
So, um, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on. We got we got two more topics, and he's going to be on here in two minutes. I told so him number nine. I, I told him nine forty. So we're good. We got ten minutes. Okay. Number nine is uh, read Tim Holschlag's book, and I I always get this uh, when I say this. If it is a stream fishing for smallmouth or river fishing for smallmouth for smallmouth. Personally, my favorite is stream fishing for smallmouth. Yep, mine too. That is that is my favorite. But that book, we've said it on this podcast like a thousand times. It will advance your fishing knowledge by five years in in a. It takes you. It'll take you ten hours to read it. So it's t- it's five years for ten hours. I mean, that's you know, it's it's a it's a very very good book. You know, some of it's a little outdated or whatever, but like if you read that book and you commit it to memory and you, you know, you study that book and and really think about it, it will add a lot to your game. Well, in that one, it's it's more concise than the river one. So I feel like it's easier to digest and easier to remember. Um, and there are like even even though it's smaller, there there are even sections in that you can just completely disregard, like the gear section. It's like from the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties. Like he right. talks about, you know, these like old antiquated spinning reels and stuff. Like you don't need to read any of that. But there's a couple like there's a couple like overarching themes in that book that have stuck with me, like that I think about every time I'm there, every time I'm fishing. And it's helped me a lot. It's helped me grasp concepts of like, oh yeah, this is what he was talking about. This is correct. And it it's definitely more of a river book. You know, it doesn't touch on really lakes that much. But I will say he does list actual rivers in the back of the book, which is kind of crazy that he does that. Um, and some of them are probably past the prime, but I know some of them are legit. <laughs> So yep. it's actually pretty he's cool a, to go in the back and like look at like some of the rivers he's fished like you know hundreds of smallmouth rivers. So and R I P to Tim. R. Yeah, R. Tim. yeah. Tim Tim was on our podcast. For those of you who don't know, it's uh, was one of the cooler interviews we'll probably ever do in our life. And uh, yeah, it's uh, he was he was a crazy um, crazy smallmouth guy, dude. That guy was 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 a a legend episode it was episode 10 oh that's cool i didn't realize it was that early um yeah it was very very early i believe hold on let me double check that but i'm pretty sure it was uh it was episode 10 so anyways uh all right well do you want to hit number 10 josh yep so um your number 10 here was Okay, so this is um, uh, basically, and I don't. Chris was wording it a way that I didn't quite understand what he was saying, but he said switch <laughs> approaches. Uh, I think what he was meaning was like your method of approaching the water. So whether that be wading, kayaking, drift boat, jet boat, whatever, is don't just fish one way. Like fish multiple ways, um, and it's crazy. Like the, I mean, there's a lot of truth in that, like fishing a river floating downstream on a kayak, fishing a river in a jet boat and fishing a river wading upstream is like three completely different perspectives on that water. Um, right. 
And uh, if you're new and you're just getting started, Wade, that is the way it's it's slowing it down for you. And you may be not you may not be able to fish some rivers that you want to fish. You're probably going to be forced to fish a little bit smaller water. But even that aspect of it is going to make you uh, be able to um, gain some knowledge faster because you're just not dealing with that much more um, uh, factors and variables that you have to that you have to break down. Whereas like you're in a kayak on, you know, the upper Mississippi or Susquehanna or whatever. It's like, there's like, it's, it's like sensory overload. Um, we're a small stream. It's like, I got a rock here. I got a log here. I got a riffle here. And if you're waiting, you're going really slow. And at any time you wade, you want to wade upstream. Don't wade downstream. There, there is some situations like if you're fly fishing, I know, waiting downstream some sometimes preferred but without the fly fishing um variable in it what upstream is definitely superior um and it's uh it definitely helps you um digest things better and you'll probably catch more fish that way like that's what i found the waiting thing is you know you'll go through a kayak float and you'll float six eight miles a river and you'll catch let's say 35 fish you'll go wading and you'll only wade three quarters of a mile and you'll catch the same amount of fish so it's like a it's a weird thing to think like i always think that when i'm going downstream I'm like if i was waiting here like what would i be doing um right you can get caught i think fishing stuff too thoroughly when you're waiting. And if you're like trophy fishing, sometimes waiting is not the best approach, especially if you're not familiar with certain spots because you want to go to those spots that hold big fish. Um, or if the water's muddy, that's another time waiting is not really preferred and you want to cover more water. Um, but yeah, waiting is definitely a way to, to hone your skills. And then, you know, fishing at the jet, jet boat from a kayak somewhat similar um in the you know way you fish but again it's like fishing floating downstream in a canoe or a kayak you can't motor up and go spot to spot so it forces you basically to fish the entire stretch of river you're fishing whereas like a jet boat if you feel like the the um, water is kind of looking crappy you can fire it up and you're tempted to go to the next spot and how many times have we been in a our drift rafts and like, like oh man this is kind of a crappy area and next thing you know we like caught a big fish like it happens all the time, um, so I think getting those like multiple facets of approaching the water is it, it is very valuable and it will definitely make you a better better fisherman so deal so yeah all right well that that is it boys that is that is the entire list uh the top 10 things that you can do to improve your games as a smallmouth angler yeah i hope you guys enjoyed it we have to get off here to go interview someone who uh catches big smallmouth so we're gonna get off here and do that thanks for listening and then and uh free the fighter Free the fighter, baby. Later. Bye-bye.